Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Well, timing is everything. And while the Flyers got on a roll in what turned out to be the end of the regular season, uh, they've had some trouble finding that same gear as hockey in the bubble continues. With our latest Broadcasters Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Jim Jackson, Steve Coates, and Bill Meltzer. Guys, uh, good as they were at the end of the regular season, and even in those round-robin games, maybe those round-robin games left the Flyers with a false sense of security. They survived the first round with Montreal, but uh, seemed to be misfiring still offensively. Uh, they dropped the first game Monday to the Islanders in round two for a zip. A little mystifying, guys, why the top scorers are still not scoring. Uh, the floodgates seem to be locked right now. How do they kick them open? Uh, that is the uh, $64 million question. I, I mean, I'm sure that, that Elaine Vigneault has tried just about everything he can personnel-wise. I mean, there's, there's some more changes he could make in terms of the line combinations. AVR could be put back in. He already has obviously had some chances, too. Uh, but really, what it comes down to, I mean, we, we can't sugarcoat it. One goal from your top five goal scorers this far into the playoffs, including the round robin, uh, is just not enough. I, I see signs from Travis connecting. He's getting chances. Now Kevin Hayes has the goal. He's getting chances, but I just don't see much at all from any of the other top goal scorers. And, and that is concerning. There's just no way they can win another series with that being the case. So I don't know. You guys look at it. I mean, strategically, is there something they can do? I, I don't know. I mean, they played with the system most of the year and it was successful offensively. So I, I'm in a loss. I think it's so bizarre right now what we're watching as co as compared to what we watched a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you'd really, I mean, there's a there's a lot of work to do here in a very short period of time, and time is against you because the schedule is so baffling as we move on here this week. So, and you're playing against an excellent hockey team. You know, you'd said Timmy at the beginning about you know uh, they're getting a little bit too cocky, maybe coming off of that round robin, and we had talked about maybe they're reading their press clippings and everybody was picking them for first, and they were one of the top four as far as the odds to win the Stanley Cup. Sometimes that can happen, but to have five guys that were your leading scorers, your big money players, not producing at an extensive period of time right now is absolutely mind-boggling. I don't ever remember ever seeing anything like this. And as a team, it gets drawn. Everybody gets drawn into that mess where now you just got nothing. There's nothing going for you. When you think about last night, they say, okay, shots on net were pretty close. I don't remember Varlamov making a big save the whole night. I don't remember Varlamov really having to save something and say, oh, wow, that really was a big, big play right there that's going to, you know, save the Islanders. So it's baffling to me. I think you have to be, you know, against a team like the Islanders, you have to be opportunistic without a lot of chances. The Islanders blocked the most shots in the NHL. They blocked 22 in game one. The Flyers had, you know, some opportunities. Kevin Hayes had a breakaway in the first period when it was one to nothing at that point. Second period, Giroux had a chance from the slot. Uh, I think Scott Lawton, who's, he, and that's one of the guys who was, fantastic during the round robin and you know he's one of the guys who's struggling right now but i mean he, he had a chance in close but you know I, I think the second period of game one was a building block but there, there weren't enough quality chances as you, as you just alluded to there were a few but that's something you could build off of because at least the flyers had a territorial advantage in that period i mean it, how did the flyers beat montreal they beat montreal despite montreal i mean playing the kind of game they wanted to play 
Montreal's a really good puck possession team. They had the puck most of the series. Flyers won because, you know, Carter Hart certainly, and, and their ability to close out games in the third period with, with you know, one goal leads in those games. And that was how the Flyers were able to get through that series. I mean, you could potentially do that to the Islanders too, but but you're not you're not going to do it on a goal a night or two goals a night maximum. I mean, that's just that's just too much to ask. Um, you know, I it starts with it starts with getting pucks to the inside and also getting some of those point shots through. I mean, the Islanders scored their their first goal, you know, uh, last night off of a point shot with some traffic in front. You got to get them through. Is is as good as the Islanders at blocking shots? They're not going to block all of them. Barlamov's a good goalie, but like any goalie, he can only stop what he can see. You know, it, it, it's just a question of, of of actually executing and doing it. And the, the final thing I'll say for now is that your best players, your best players, you know, Sean Couturier in particular, I, I thought he, he had one of the worst games of his NHL career last night. Not just not just because he's not scoring. You know, when when does Sean Couturier have lapses in attention to detail? That second goal the Islanders scored which to me was the hockey game last night because it was still a one-goal game up to that point. You have two defensemen engaged behind the net. It's so automatic for the center to, to cover you know, to, to cover net run. And Couturier, Couturier went down low. And all of a sudden, you have a you know, wide open in front. And that's not the play that Sean Couturier makes. I mean, you know, there, there's a way that the Flyers played when they were successful, and they, they've gotten away from it. You know, this uh, if you could take the Montreal series out of the equation and not think about how that series ended, I, I don't think we'd be overreacting. Uh, to me, game one of the Islanders series was game one of the Montreal series in reverse. Uh, the Flyers were just badly outplayed in the first period, responded in the second period, and just couldn't get a goal. Um, Coatsy, I think you're right. I don't think Varlamov had to be the difference in that game. He made some good saves. He was good. He's posted back-to-back shutouts, but he didn't have to be spectacular because the Flyers didn't generate enough. To Never got inside. Though, to their credit, they have not lost back-to-back games in, what, eight months since since early January? So are, are we overreacting? Do you just have to assume that they're going to fix this and come back with a better effort? That's a really good question because are we overreacting? Now, we watch a lot of hockey and over a lot of years, and you watch this team right now, it worries you. That's what the problem is. You're not overreacting. You're you're reacting to the way they're playing. They've since the middle of the Montreal series, it's been a kind of an apathetic thing. They're not generating. There's not a lot of umph. There's not a lot of uh, zest to their game right now, and that's what's scaring everybody. Because you're playing against a New York Islanders team right now that is firing on all cylinders, everything. And last night, and we talked about this many a time. They dropped five below the top of the circle. And we're fighting down there with three below the circle, and we're not adapting to it. And we were just, it was in and out, in and out, in and out. And they're going to have to do a lot of work to try to come up with something to beat that today. But I don't think we're overreacting. I think this is a team that has to have something happen that's going to spark it, whether it's a big hit. I mean, you're certainly not going to have nobody to fight. There's nobody that's going to fight to change this around. Something's got to spark this team, but I don't know the answer to that right now, and I imagine they don't either. I, I do think we've seen enough from Elaine Vino and this coaching staff, though, to, to anticipate some adjustments. He's, 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 I agree. He sees this. Uh, he's coy. He does give you, if you read into things he says sometimes, hints about what he's going to do, but 
He's not going to tell us outright, but I do think there will be some changes. And I'm not talking about just personnel. I mean, they'll change. I think they changed a little bit in the Montreal series. Surprisingly, more to, to in my mind, actually react to Montreal than to be proactive. But they won the series. You can't complain with that. Now, it's, this is different. You know, people are saying, and I was one of them, actually, before I really looked into the, the style of the on display, that this is the same deal. It's a checking team that's going to shut the Flyers down. Well, that's true, but they do it in a different way. As you said, Coatsy, it's just all about protecting the house, right, with the Islanders. It's not about the little gnat, gnats like the Canadians using speed to check you and be in your face all the time. It's just shut you down, clog you up in the neutral zone if you can, and if not, then it's just protect the house. If the Flyers react by playing that same style, first of all, good luck to you guys calling the series, making it exciting. But second of all, I'm just not sure that the Flyers are patient enough to do that with, with their forwards, uh, especially that since they have zero, as many of them by their names, that puts even more pressure on them to try to do something to score. And that's exactly what the Islanders feast on. So they're in a tough spot, but I do have confidence in this coaching staff. Timmy pointed out they haven't lost back-to-back games. I mean, they've outscored their opponents an godly amount during the, the nine wins too after losses. So they've played very well after losses. I expect they will in game two. I'm just not sure well is going to be good enough against this Islanders team because they're really on it right now. The Islanders are playing about as well as they could play. Billy, we said in our broadcast that Montreal plays fast. The Islanders play fast, but have more skill and more finish to them. Uh, Flyers might have gotten away without their best game in beating the Habs. They ain't going to get away with it against the Islanders. No, absolutely not. You, you could see that last night. I mean, the Islanders, the Islanders are not necessarily a puck possession team, but they're a team that when they get the opportunities, they bury them. You know, that pass that Barzo made with uh, Niskanen challenging him in that three on two, that's a really tough play to make. Barzo can make that play, and 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 you saw it, right? Um, the the breakdown behind the net. If if uh, Carter Hart did have a fair chance to make a save there, you know, but if but it, it, it's one of those things where those opportunities pop up. The Islanders have been burying them. They're a very very heavy team too. They're one of the biggest teams in the NHL. Uh, you know what did the Islanders excel at this season? They they're the top hitting team in the NHL. So every time you touch the puck, you pay a price for it. I was actually a little surprised that Johnston dressed for game one in the series uh, instead of Broussard, but it, it worked out. You know, the, the Flyers paid a physical price every time they touched the puck, and that's something that can can wear a team down, too, over a series. That's something the Flyers have to adjust to. Montreal does not have the same level of team, or rather, Islanders don't have the same level of team speed as, as Montreal does, but they have they have better finish. And again, they're a heavier team. They're a harder team to, to beat down low and take off the pucks and counter against. So, when you get those chances, you have to do something with them because there's not going to be a lot of them. Coach, you called me uh, after the game last night. You got a chance to peek at the, the game summary sheet. I don't remember Ross Johnson having 10 hits in the game. But that's that, was a, that was the quietest 10 hits I've ever seen in my whole life. And I might, you know, maybe it's the monitor we're watching or something like that, but I don't remember that game being a, wow, this is going to be a hard series. These guys are beating the hell at each other. And so having him in the lineup, though, creates a, a different dynamic because he is a big guy, six foot four, and he's a, a guy that can, you know, drop the gloves if need be. He can create a little room for a lot of people. So I, I wasn't surprised that uh, he, he played. I was a little surprised he took Broussard's spot, yeah. but having Johnson in the lineup brings a little bit of a more ump to that, 
that lineup. But the 10 hits, I don't. I tell you what, I don't know. The guy that must have been keeping the hits last night must be paid by the hit. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this, Cozy, not calling the game, they finish every check. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do that. They, they're not all, you know, through the, although many of uh, Matt Martins are, but they're not all through the glass hits. But, yeah. but they, you know, the Flyers were right there with them. It wasn't a huge disparity in hits, but the Flyers didn't have nearly as many hits that just separated guys from pucks or really punished yeah. players yeah. for yeah. having the puck. And as Bill said, I worry about that having impacts late in games, as maybe it did. And certainly as the series rolls on with all these games, what, five, four games in five and a half days, uh, they're definitely extracting a pound of flesh with all these hits. So that doesn't bode well either. But but uh, it was interesting. I didn't notice 10 for him. I agree with you there. But I, I did watch just as a team. It seemed like when they go in the forecheck, they're at least going to get a piece of a defenseman or two. When they get in there, and and uh, that that's their style. And I thought Barry Trotz pretty much said, "Hey, I'm dressing this guy. I'm dressing Johnston. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to come at you and be physical." And they were. Well, so Jimmy, you intimated that uh, we know AV is going to probably make some changes, and you almost have to. Uh, I suspect JVR will be back in the lineup. Does he now? Because the big problem is your top guys aren't scoring at the level you expect them to. I think Travis Konechny probably had his best game of the playoffs uh, in game one, but still didn't score. Do you break up even the pairs that he's had together? Do you throw it in a blunder and see what you can come up with, or is that an overreaction? I think A.V., knowing him, will will make some changes. The question is, you go and look at that hayes konechny Barry line, which by our count had nine scoring chances, which is pretty right. good for a line. Do you touch that line? Because if you bring JVR in, do you put him on a third line or a fourth line? Uh, that's where he was, obviously, and where he's been for much of the this the bubble life and really late in the regular season when he was healthy. Uh, maybe that's what they do. Or do you say, maybe that's your big change. All of a sudden, JVR appears with, uh, with Couturier and Voracek up top or something like that. Because I do think the way the Islanders play, the goals are going to mostly be hit around the crease, deflections, dirty goals like that. And that's JVR's strength. But they're going to need him to play better. I mean, I'm not even saying JVR deserves the opportunity. He hasn't played that well the last couple of games he's gotten in. Uh, but he is the type of player I think that can excel in a series like this because he's good around the net. And that is where I think most of the goals are going to come from outside of maybe screen point shots. But uh, and again, he's good at screening too. So. I think you find a spot for him, but the question is, do you put him up top or is he down there in the fourth line, third line, and you throw him in on the power play? I don't know. Billy, when the two guys that you're most concerned about getting going are Giroux and Couturier, I can't believe I'm even saying it. Uh, do you make changes with that in mind? I, I, you know, I think you may have to. I mean, AV in the Montreal series did move Giroux back to center on the third line for, you know, for a while there. And last night, last night they started the game with the Raffle on. Couturier's line and then switch back when nothing was going in the first period. You know, I, I think anything has to be on the table for how you move lines around. I mean, you remember early this season, the Flyers' best line was Lindblom, uh, Couturier, and Konechny. They they were the they were a large part of the offense for about the first. What are you season. saying, Bill? What are you saying? You got a scoop, Bill? <laughs> no, I don't know about Oscar. Hopefully, <laughs> But possibly Konechny back with Couturier might be, you know, might be something you look at too. Um, again, I, I think just about anything should be on the table. I, I think there were some subtle attempted adjustments last night. I mean, last night early in the game, uh, it was the uh, Nelson line and it was the Barzell line got in a couple mismatches against Thompson's line. 
And the Thompson line largely disappeared, you know, as the first period went along. Um, they kind of went with three lines. In the second period, I thought the fourth line kind of pulled it together. They spent, you know, a significant amount of time forechecking the offensive zone. So they were able to get together a little bit, too. But that's been part of the problem, too. I, 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 you know, when the Flyers are going so well, the bottom six were really contributing a whole lot. And, and Scott Lawton was a huge part of that. You know, and, and I mean, again, Lawton to me is one of the driving forces in that bottom six. And they got some good games out of uh, Derek Grant after the trade deadline. Any of those, I mean, you know, you obviously to win the playoffs, you need everybody stepping up. Um, it, it has to start from the top of the lineup. Your best players do have to be your best players. But to avoid those situations where, you know, you end up in mismatches, well, you know, you need you need your bottom six contributing too as well. I mean, just you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things. I think anything should be on the table to to get back to the central question here. Coltsy, you're the former player here. They're obviously frustrated. Av said last night, frustration is a wasted emotion. Uh, do you let them figure it out and trust that they will, or do you have that luxury in the playoffs? Well, I think this is up to your team leadership. The, the, the coach can only give you so much. The coach is going to give you the, the guidelines to try to beat the, the, the system that the New York Islanders are playing right now. The coaches, I mean, this is a very good coaching staff, so they're going to come up with an idea of what they got to do, but you still got to execute. But I got to go back to what I said. In watching these games, and we've, uh, you know, we've, we've analyzed, we've analyzed, but I'm worried about the work ethic. Okay, I'm worried about the emotion of this team for 60 minutes. This isn't just yesterday with the New York Islanders. This has been a problem we saw against the Montreal Canadiens. And when you have your leaders not leading the group, then it's a problem. So it's a matter of, was there a team meeting last night? We probably, I bet you there was a team meeting because you're not going to read anything about it because they're in the bubble. But they got to get together. And they got a lot of time together to be able to get this this straightened out. It just part is their work ethic. That is the number one thing that bothers me right now. All the different things are they're happening as far as what the Islanders are doing and what we're doing, it's just not there. And when you watch that hockey game, you can't help but not be concerned. I mean, second period, oh, yeah, they came out and they 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 played all right. They did a good job forechecking, but for the most part, they were in the perimeter. They never really had what I called a lot of uh, time in the offensive zone where it went, wow, we're back, this is great, look at this, this is happening. And that's what concerns me. It's not just last night, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, push a panic button here. I think you got it. You got a tough week ahead of you. Like I mentioned, I'm repeating myself and you got to get this taken care of very quickly because if we do, or the flyers do what they did last night, tomorrow, you got a big problem on your hands. Uh, Coach, see, on that point, Timmy, on the point of, of work ethic or energy level, which the average fan will say, this is the playoffs. How can you not have work ethic in but these are different playoffs. One of the big theories going on around the both bubbles that I keep reading about are, are that some teams are really thriving and enjoying the bubble and others aren't. If you look at two of the players we're talking about, one just had a baby and the other had a baby who celebrated his first birthday, missed it, uh, JVR, new, new Papa as well. We're talking about there's a lot going on where you wonder if maybe – Bubble life starting to wear some of these guys who are family guys down. Uh, I, I don't know. It's only a theory, but, you know, it, it certainly played into the Washington. I heard a lot about it. A lot of Washington's guys in the end said, you know, that maybe their heart wasn't quite in it. And 
and it, it kind of showed. I wonder if maybe some of that's happened. Yeah, I mean, that's like, a good point, but the teams that are winning aren't talking about that, right? Yeah, true. Although a lot of the teams, you know, a lot of these teams are younger teams. They, they were talking about how a lot of the young teams are doing well. I'd have to look at the numbers. I don't think Vegas is that young. But, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a theory. But a couple of guys who are struggling for the Flyers are guys who are – you know, they're they're they have families and very young children and, and, and they're human beings. So maybe it's a factor. I don't know. You know, if you go back when we all talked to uh, the original round table, we were talking about before we went into this playoff series about the unknown. The unknown was the bubble and the unknown was who was going to last the longest in the bubble. And we talked about it the other day about the fact that this team was playing like they wanted out of the bubble, just like the Washington Capitals. And you don't want to say that about your team. You don't want to say about the team that you've watched all year that you're cheering for to win the Stanley Cup. But the way they're playing, that comes into play. You you, you have to be very honest about it. I, I, I want to trust that they are looking at this as an opportunity. They realize what a rare chance this is to compete for a cup, and they're going to be willing to put all of that uh, aside. Um, I, I just wonder how much more difficult does it make breaking out of a slump when you get zero practice time. Yeah. I mean, they're going to get even less this series. So less than zero, if possible. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no way. When you're a winning team and you don't, you don't practice, when you're on a roll like the Islanders are, who cares about practice, right? But when you're losing and structure gets away from you or whatever, that's when you need practice time. And there's just none of it in this series. I mean, literally, Barry Trotz said he thought Sunday's practice with the Islanders would be their last practice for at least a week. Well, it's the first time these two teams have met in the playoffs in, what, 33 years. They are going to end up playing four games in what turns out to be five and a half uh, days. And not to date this because uh, game two is coming up here pretty quickly. But in these playoffs, the team that won twice in a series has won 15 of the first 16 series in the playoffs. The first team to win two games in a series. So uh, that makes game two. Pretty desperate for the Flyers. Well, our latest broadcasters roundtable. We look forward to the Flyers bouncing back as they have all year. Coatsy, you've been cleared to land. <laughs> you don't like this? It's a nice look, I thought. I, I, I've I, always I, wanted it. This has been on my bucket list. I've always wanted to be an air traffic controller. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, when you just said that to me, I got a queasy feeling because the last time Coach was anywhere near a cockpit, we took three times down to try to find the runway. Remember that? <laughs> One of the great stories of all time. They have, yeah. not, they have not led him in a cockpit since. Never been back in a cockpit. Never they couldn't find the runway. Well, hopefully the Flyers will find the runway here pretty quick as the second round with the Islanders continues with our latest broadcasters roundtable. For Jim Johnson, Steve Coach Bill Meltzer, I'm Tim Slotter. The preceding program is an original production of the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersbroadcastnetwork.com.